Hi, I'm Les Heron, and this is my podcast, The Journey Life with, you guessed it, me, Les Heron. I'm glad you're with us today. We are going to continue a series. Uh, we are talking about God encounters. This is going to be eight ways we can encounter God. There are a lot more than eight ways. I have eight ways that most people will probably agree with. They probably won't agree with everything I'm talking about. Of course, I hope you don't. I hope you're thinking about everything. But God encounters from prayer, scripture, worship, to all the weird stuff. I'm not going to cover all the weird stuff today. I'm going to lump that in at the end as a bonus because that can be uh, – our brains can really like like um, go into defensive mode when we hear – prophetic or tongues or words of wisdom words of knowledge and i'm not afraid of that uh, i know that happens when i talk to people i can i can see people they they either have a response like a canned response of giving me something that they've been taught they've held on to for years and even decades and they've never thought through that they've encountered god all these eight ways i'm going to talk about or that it's very possible they could encounter god in these eight ways all right this is part one i'm going to do four uh ways we can encounter god and then i'm going to come back and release one probably five to six seven days after this one and there'll be a part two with the number five through eight ways we can encounter god so also one other thing, be sure to like this YouTube channel or to follow my Substack. You you can follow me also on iTunes. I'm on Spotify. I did notice that very few of you listen on Spotify. Most people are listening straight off the Substack app or iTunes. So I appreciate knowing some of that. But if you could follow me, like me, share my information and chat back with me, that actually helps me a lot. That has been that has been my style of ministry for years as a as a as a pastor as a teacher. Uh, I believe even as a school teacher, I liked the the feedback, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Um, anything mean spirited or just argumentative will just be put in my round file, which is right under my desk here, with a bunch of other crumpled up papers and a kombucha bottle from yesterday. So let's get started. So prayer is one of the ways we can encounter God, even though most Christians don't encounter God when they pray. Prayer is simply a, a means of communication, means of communion with God. It's a, it's a way to talk to God. It's, it's personal, just me and God, but it's also communal, me and other people praying. It's where I can express my thoughts, feelings, desires, hopes, dreams, fear, sin, hatred, jealousy, greed to God, and I can seek his guidance and his revelation, and most importantly, his presence. And, and the guidance and revelation doesn't just have to come in intellectually. It can come in as a sense in my emotions, it can come in as uh, a remembrance, it can come in as something that he's teaching me as I'm asking him about things. 
So I can experience God. I can encounter God as I'm asking him for something and he can respond to me. All right. I can ask him to help me. And I don't just like, like manufacture that God helped me later on because it turned out well, even though it was all my doing, I can, I can experience and encounter his word, his wisdom and things like that. We were meant to encounter God in prayer. So Philippians four, six, and seven says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're meant to encounter God in prayer. We ask, we talk to God, all right? And then he does something like very real. He guards my heart and he guards my mind. He gives me peace that passes what I can understand. So when I start my conversation in, in lack, in a poverty mindset, and there's not an abundance of love in the world, there's not an abundance of connection or relationship, he gives me back connection and relationship. Something in me begins to shift. And in the scripture in Philippians 4, what we see is that when we pray in fear, because anxiety, anxiousness is fear. It does, we can call it whatever we want, but it is fear. When I pray to him and talk to him in fear, which I should be honest and speak with him in fear and go to him in my fear, like the faster I can go to him in my fear, the faster that peace that passes all understanding will be given to me. So when I start praying in fear and I'm talking to God in fear, as I'm talking to him, I'm experiencing him, I'm encountering him. And, and in that experience, there's peace given to me. And it's peace that goes beyond what I can understand. Why would I not assume that I can get that peace that goes beyond all understanding? All right. So when we pray in fear and anxiety, we can expect to be giving something tangible so much so that it pushes out that fear and anxiety. There's also in the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, Matthew 6 and other places. Uh, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. So you're praying to someone that you can't see. Then the, your father, this someone that you can't see, he sees what you're doing and he will reward you. What do you think that reward is? Is that reward some intangible thing that he marks in a book in heaven and then you get that reward in heaven? I don't think so. I think there's a reward when we pray, when we go into behind closed doors and we express ourselves to our father in honest, open ways, and we believe that he's there even though that we can't see him. We have faith, we have confidence that he's listening that something begins to be given back to us because of what we've done, we've done in secret. All right, this second way we can encounter God is scripture. And, and I hope all of you are reading and studying scripture. I really do. I, I'm a little bit shocked and appalled and dismayed, saddened. It's like I have a thesaurus with me that, that we can have our our, our, uh, whoops, that, that just disappeared on huh? because I've got this back screen here. We can have our phones, our Bible on our phones. We can listen to a chapter 
first thing when we wake up, a chapter two first thing before we go to bed. We have alerts of all these things that we, we get all these alerts from everything except for scripture. We get sports alert, politics alerts, and things like that. Why not like put precedence with scripture? Now, we believe that scripture reveals God's character, his wills, his, his, his will, his promises, and that it's a pathway for encountering him, his truth, and his guidance. Now, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I've been reading my Bible for 48 years, and it was somewhere between the ages of 45 and 51, so about you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, I started to encounter God while reading and studying scriptures. I, I don't remember the first time it happened. I don't remember the first scripture that it happened, but I remember it was at, at, at a house we had on Blackfoot Trail Run. It was at, again, at this desk. I have an old desk uh, that I really like. Um, but I read a scripture that I had read many times before, and I was giving it some thought, and I was asking God about it, just talking to God about it, and I began to cry. And I said aloud, I hope this is true. I hope this is true. So think about that. I hope it's true that there's a peace that passes all understanding. And I want to pursue that it is true. I want to start to believe that it is true. I want to start to believe that there's a reward when I pursue God. I want to start believing that when I build my life, when I build my house on the principles of Jesus, that nothing can come against it. I hope it's true, and to really take that into heart. Super, super great moment for me. Now, 2 Timothy 3 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I know that's an appropriate scripture for ministers, teachers, uh, pastors, leaders to utilize and to use it and to think about that, not that the scripture is God-breathed, but the useful for. But is this teaching, rebuking, and training only to be done by teachers of scripture? Or are all of these things potentially happening via the Holy Spirit as we read and study scripture? I think you know what my answer is. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit can teach, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. And I would say that if you are unwilling to read Scripture and be taught and rebuked and corrected and trained in righteousness on your own with God on your own, you're going to struggle actually being taught, rebuked, corrected, or trained by any pastor or minister. All right? Or you're going to look to them as the voice of the Spirit, and they are not. All right? Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Now, this is about encountering God, right? So hearing God, encountering God, sensing God. But you know what? We insist on making every scripture so metaphorical, so figurative, not a real thing. What if we instead we like imagine that by reading scripture, I'm holding a flashlight up to my calendar, up to my checkbook, up to my bank account, up to my future plans, up to my hopes and my dreams, and that a, that a literal light is being shined upon my path because of that? What would that change? You think I would encounter God if I could well, like, like use my imagination 
as I'm reading scripture to engage with him and to see how this word is a lamp, a light. And yes, I understand that the lamp is metaphorical. It's figurative and not literal, but I hope you get the point. I think you can encounter the light of Jesus by reading scripture. All right. To carry on with number three is worship. Now, Christian worship services and gatherings are times for us to encounter God collectively as a group, as a communal group. We do it through music and praise and worship and prayer and preaching, financial giving, sacraments like baptism and uh, communion. And we do it to seek to connect one with another, but also to connect, most importantly, with God's presence, okay? We receive a spiritual nourishment there that is available outside of that context, but I don't think it's available in the same way. It's just like watching a movie by yourself on your phone in your closet versus watching IMAX, IMAX with a hundred of your friends or 500 of your friends or 20,000 of your friends. There's a different experience that happens. There's a different, uh, um, there's a different transaction that happens amongst that. Okay. Now, I have a different perspective on worship than most people. I often hear that God longs for us to worship and God uh, created us to worship him because that's what he needs. And I don't believe that's true at all. I believe that we long to worship God, that we're designed to worship him and that his longing for us to worship him is based on that. It's really good for us to worship him. All right. I want you to hear that, that he doesn't long for us to worship him. Uh, uh, because he needs to be worshiped and to make him feel better about himself. But he longs for us to worship him because he's our designer. He knows how he made us. And he knows that when we worship him, things will begin to take place within us that are magnificent, mystical, and will really change our lives. Okay. And it's sort of like the parent, well, as parents, we want our kids to obey with some of us need them, demand them to obey. We have, and we have a lot of, uh, convoluted teaching on obedience a lot of times about what it looks like but but most of us as parents don't want our kids to obey us because it's good for our kids we would say that but we want them to obey us to make our life easier god's not that kind of parent okay there's a there's a thinker writer guy not a christian guy i love this this idea that he has about worship that there's no there's no such thing as not worshiping he says everybody worships the only choice we get is what to worship. We choose what to worship, and as Christians, we decide who to worship. And the who we worship takes takes priority, makes everything else unimportant, okay? Now, here's Psalms 95. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There's, a, there's, a, there's an encounter there when you kneel. There's an encounter that happens at those times. I believe in in worship. There's a uh, there's an exchange that's to take place. Um, another place I'd probably have a different perspective on worship than most people is that I believe that much of the worship, m much of the music, 
in the church, in the charismatic church, in the Pentecost church, is a soul-driven, is intellectual and emotion. It's like, oh, I like this song. I will engage with my soul. But the whole reason to to have music and to have an environment that's air-conditioned or heated or pleasant and and words up there and, and talented musicians that, you know, aren't like like shrieking and the sound's good is for our physical body, our physical part to be there in worship and not to be distracted by our flesh because we're extremely distracted by our flesh. What we don't realize when we get to church, we're, we're extremely ex- distracted by our soul, by our mind and our emotions and our memories. And we, when we come out of a church service and we've only tapped into the I like it when they use an old hymn. I like it when they use Hillsong. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to like Hillsong anymore. I like it when they use Bethel. Oh, wait, Bethel believes in stuff I don't believe in. Well, you know what? I like it when they use Elevation Worship. And I can't think of anything bad about Elevation Worship. I'm sure there's people out there that don't like Elevation Worship. So I I hope you get my point is that we... We come in and we like these things, so we get we like the person who's leading. We like the 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 guitar and what it does, or the drum beat gets us stirred up in our soul. And I'm not saying any of that's bad, but it's just the beginning point. The comfort of our flesh is the beginning point to get us there into into our soul. But then there's something supposed to open up our mind and our emotions supposed to open up. It's supposed to be a spirit to spirit, and you felt it sometimes when you're in church. You felt it sometimes when you're in your car singing along and you, there's something that happens and there's a, there's a chill, there's an excitement, there's, a, there's a, a humility that comes upon you. You can feel something tangible in your flesh because you touch the spirit to spirit. We've got to learn to like open up more and more our mind and our emotions and move them out of their, 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 their access points. They're like ways to get us in there. Sorry about that. I'm wiping my top of my nose. I got a little itch under there, um, under my eyes right there. So open it up, open it up, open it up. And there's a spirit of God that wants to speak to the spirit that is you. That's a whole nother topic. I've got that down on my list to talk about spirit, soul, and body because there's a lot of confusion. But if you could read scripture and think of worship, think of encounters or spirit, soul, and body, body, soul, and spirit. If we can do that, then you're engaging your intellect in encountering God. All right, John 4 says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of the worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. We are in a season where we can worship in spirit and in truth. And I want to challenge slash encourage you to really pursue an encounter with God every time you're in corporate worship. And as an addendum, knock off listening to worship music as if it's just background pop music. I know that just hurts some of your feelings. Worship all the time in the background is not good if you're not engaged in it. 
Get some good Christian music. Yeah, there's some good, fun Christian music my daughter listens to, my teenager. I'm like, I, I was surprised it was Christian because there's so much. It's all worshipy songs. It's all a style without a heart, without a spirit. So let, let, like, not, like fast from worship songs and put on some worship, two, three songs, 8, 10, 12, 15 minutes. Or like one of Carrie Job's, I think is 12 or 13 minutes. It's brilliant. Find that, put it on, and just worship. Close your eyes and seek him in that time. All right? But don't use worship as just filler, as white noise, like the TV on in the background. All right, number four, the fourth way we can encounter God. Again, these are not. this is not an exhaustive list. I would love if you would send me something that you would like to add to this list, okay? These are not in any order of importance, but we kind of, we, we didn't cover this one, but when we talk about worship, we're also talking about community and fellowship because worship is not meant to be done alone, although it is meant to be done alone also, okay? The context of worship is in the context of the culture that Jesus grew up in, which is the context of corporate worship. And all, all the all all these Christians that are leaving the church, and they all have like great excuses, but they're horrible excuses. They they're not even ah. This is going to sound really harsh. They're not even true excuses. Basically, they should just say, "Hey, I got my feelings hurt. I don't know how to show up at church very much. Um, I used I used church as as a, as an idolatrous thing, and I got hurt by it, and now I'm offended by it. So I'm just going to be by myself." We got to work through the relationship of being part of the family of God. Okay. So, this community and fellowship is a great way to encounter God within the context of community, in the context of fellowship with other believers. Now, we have community and fellowship, and we have a connection when we go sit at a bar and we order a drink and we're chatting sports, we're talking politics, and we're just, we feel comfortable. And there's something that happens in that, and the environment changes right? It does change. It's an interesting thing. But Christians, we believe that when we get together, something's going to change. And the change is, is that God's going to be there, all right? In the midst of where, 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 where two are, he is also, okay? Where two are, he is also. Whenever we meet, Whenever you and I are being uh, together for a coffee or we're hanging out at the house or you with someone else, bring up Jesus, talk about him, see what happens. Don't bring up theology or politics or, you know, the, the Christian politics. Bring up Jesus, what God's saying to you. Be curious if you're with someone that's uh, older or more mature in the faith. Be curious. Ask them. Learn from them. Talk to them. Invite Jesus into it. All right? Now, I'm, I'm often surprised how little I speak about spiritual things. I can come away from a couple of days with somebody and was like, wait a minute. I mean, we were Christians, but we covered had a great time together. We covered politics and pop culture and favorite things. And, you know, but did we intentionally go over per, personal spiritual things together and invite God in there? I don't mean like, hey, God. Thank you for being here and praying all that. Just like when we talk about him, we invite him in there, okay? And uh, we, we, we talk about, like, if somebody calls me and says, hey, I want to talk to you, Pastor Les, 
uh, then it's in the context of the church, church structure. And then they're like, yeah, sure, I'm meeting with Pastor Les. We'll talk the full hour on spiritual guidance, okay? Now in Acts 2, at the beginning of the, of the church, uh, the Christian church of the, after Pentecost, it they says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and then boom, lots of wonderful, amazing things happened. I don't want to leave out uh, the scripture reference for it's Matthew 18, 20 says where two or more are gathered in my name. I am there. I am there. Where two or more are gathered in my name. I am there. We used to have little prayer meetings and we would do creative prayer meetings. So you couldn't just, you have five, six, seven, eight people there. We wouldn't allow that you could just pray whatever you wanted. We did that sometimes, but we would go through seasons where we would do prayer where we were coaching people, where we'd go around the we'd go around the room and one person would pray not longer than three minutes, one to three minute prayer, and the second person would have to agree in prayer, add to that first person's prayer, and then pray something on their own if they want it. Then the third person would have to, you know, agree with the second person and pray for the second person, then add something. We'd go around the room and things like that. Also, we would leave a chair open for God, like as an expectation that he's right there. Let's talk and pray. It's, it, it's pray in a room together as if we're all talking and communicating to a single entity that's in that room, which is what we actually believe. But again, we don't use our imagination very much to see him present with us. And he is present with us. I am there. I'll go through. I'm really bad at physical fasting food. I'm good at fasting uh, media or television or just certain things. I fast at podcasts. I'm addicted to podcasts. And so I'll fast podcasts. I'll also fast reading uh, any books. Uh, I'll fast reading spiritual books. And I will, believe it or not, I will fast um studying scripture and i'll just allow myself to only read it and to just uh bathe myself in scripture without trying to come up with a message or thinking it through and things like that all right but i would drive and i would go through i'd fast not no nothing in my car no music nothing in my car when i'm driving and i would drive you know 30 40 50 minutes an hour every day during that season and I would leave my front seat completely clear. I couldn't put anything on my front seat, which that's usually like my kind of my office thing. You probably do the same thing, right? You have a bunch of stuff there. You have, you know, I have my headphones, my glasses, my phone, you know, my, 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 even my Bible stuff I'm writing, wherever I'm, I'm going, stuff I need to return to the store, stuff I bought, you know, on an errand between running around meeting with people. I keep that clear. And I would turn around every time I would start talking, I wouldn't allow myself to talk to myself. I'd turn around. And I talk to that chair, say, hey, Jesus. And um, it sounds weird saying it out loud, but I would do that. And it was really helpful and productive. It was a, a strategy to help me be aware that where I am, he is there. Where two or more are gathered, he's there in a different way, right? So he's there with me, but he's there when two or more are gathered. And when you go to church on Sunday and you're there with people and it's hard on you, something else is given unto you because he's there in a different way also.
All right, so that's the first four of the eight ways we can encounter God. I am going to go through uh, number five, six, and seven, which is we can encounter God through nature and creation, which a lot of Christians get weird about, and I, I'm not even sure why. Uh, we're going to go through the spiritual disciplines, which we've kind of talked about, you know, prayer and worship is a spiritual discipline. We're going to cover other ones like solitude and meditation and things like that and fasting. And then number seven is uh, acts of service and love, which is one of uh, not my favorite things to do, but I, I love the mystical nature of acts of service and love that we often miss. I'm going to share that. And then number eight is going to be all the weird ways, the spiritual gifts, prophetic tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, dreams, visions, utterances, sensations, sounds, feelings, physical manifestations, tangible awareness with our physical senses, you know, our spidey sense, our sight, smell, hearing, touch, and tasting. Yes, I said hearing, touch, tasting, and smell. All right? I guess hearing wouldn't be so weird, but the smell, touching, and tasting part of all the weird ways. I'm going to cover that. And if you haven't already, make sure you find me on Substack, find me on YouTube. I'm under the Journey Life with Les Heron, and you can find me on those uh Places also under Leslie Heron on Facebook. I don't want to tell people I'm on Facebook. All right, you can look for The Journey Life also on Facebook, The Journey Life Church. All right, God bless you.